1963, a Turkish man knocked on a wall in his basement and made one of the most important archaeological discoveries in history. He discovered the city of Tirinkuyu, one of the largest underground cities in the world. Today, we'll discuss who might have built it, what it might have been used for, and how Tirinkuyu might have been responsible for saving Christianity. Next, on Technically a Conversation. you're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Isela. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Sweating it out like everybody else in Texas. How are you? I'm doing good also. Not sweating as much because I have air conditioning. <laughs> yes, that is nice. <laughs> Quick reminder about our contest before we get started. If you enjoy our show, take two minutes to leave us a review. What should they do again, Isela? Leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Send us a quick screenshot. Shoot it on over any of our socials. You'll find all the lovely details at technicallyaconversation.com. That's right. And once you do, send us a screenshot to one of our socials. We're at Greetings TAC everywhere. Once we get it, we'll read it on the show. And once we have 25 reviews, we'll do a drawing and give the winner a sexy, <laughs> technically a conversation t-shirt. So again, check out technicallyaconversation.com or the show notes for all the deets. And to those of you that have already left us a review, thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Quick shout out to the queens, Elena and Erica, the Duke, Stephen B, and the ContraZoom Pod Podcast. Thank you for sharing our posts on your social media. Thank you, guys. So awesome of you. With all that business out of the way, ready to get started? We are all systems go. Go. Great. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> Isela, have you ever done any renovations to your home? Yes. Great. What was the last renovation that you did? I tore out, it was like siding on one of the rooms. But it was like that old 1970s wood paneling. So everything looked like like a weird cabin or something inside that room. It was very strange. And it just, I don't know. I didn't like it. I was like, get this shit out of here. So yeah, that's what I did. I tore it out. Okay. While you were tearing down that wall, did you ever find anything weird or strange? Maybe something left behind by a prior resident of your home? <laughs> no. Anything else you might have found while doing any other renovation? Maybe any other walls you might have torn down or anything? No, I've heard of people finding cash in walls, which I think is always fucking cool. With all the holes that I've done in my walls, I wish I had found some cash in mine as well. I know. I would be out there knocking more walls with you. I'd be like, come on, let's do it. Let's see what else we find. <laughs> so let me tell you a story of a man who knocked down a wall in his basement to make more room. And made much more room than he could have ever imagined. Okay. <laughs> in 1963, a Turkish man was remodeling his home and decided to knock down a wall in his basement. He took a sledgehammer to the wall and found a hidden room behind it. Upon further digging, he discovered this wasn't a room. It was a tunnel. Beyond that, there were more tunnels and more tunnels. 
What started out as a simple renovation ended up becoming one of the most important archaeological discoveries in history. This wasn't just a few tunnels that he discovered. He discovered the underground city of Dirinkuyu, an extensive 18 stories deep city that was estimated to house and protect up to 20,000 people. What? Are you familiar with the underground city of Dirinkuyu in the province of Cappadocia in Turkey? No, not at all. I was, I mean, once you said Dirinkuyu, I was like, what? Book of the Pepper? What? <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Oh my God, I can't wait to hear more. I was super amazed when I discovered this. And then there was a final discovery that I made that I was like, what? You were hiding the lead. I'm glad you haven't heard of this because this is really fascinating. Okay, cool. So this thing is truly a marvel and is estimated to be the world's largest underground city. If you can imagine a human-sized ant colony that runs for miles and miles, that will give you a good mental representation of what this looks like. Wow. It's massive with tunnels that go down 17 levels. Parts of it go down as far as 250 feet or 75 meters. I know it's hard to visualize that, but 75 meters is equivalent to a 22-story building. Oh, wow. That is insane. Just again, to give you a little bit more frame of reference, the Wells Fargo Plaza in downtown El Paso is 22 stories. The walls are made of volcanic rock, which were relatively easy for people of that time to dig through with regular picks and shovels, but still probably required thousands of people to excavate. According to an IFL Science article by James Felton and a ZME Science article by T.B. Buiu, links in the show notes, it's theorized that the Phrygians began working on this underground city as early as 370 BCE. This is according to a manuscript of theirs called Anabasis by Xenophon of Athens that describes people in Anatolia who had excavated their homes underground and were large enough for a family, domestic animals, supplies, and food. Scholars speculate that Anabasis might have been describing Tirinkuyu. So these were like the OG doomsdayers. <laughs> There's some theories as to what they were used for, and I will go ahead and go into it a little bit. Okay. But in reality, it's unknown. According to archaeologists at the Turkish Department of Culture, the Phrygians were an ancient Indo-European culture that founded the Anatolian Kingdom in the 17th to 7th century BCE. The Phrygians were among the foremost architects of the Iron Age and are known for engaging in complex mega-construction projects. Other theories suggest that the underground city was founded by Persians or Hittites. It's believed that the city really peaked from 395 CE to 1453 CE during the Byzantine era, where a labyrinth of tunnels, chambers, and rooms covering 445 square kilometers or 172 square miles was developed. That's huge. It is very huge. In a YouTube video by the channel Discover with Ruhi Senet, Ruhi takes you through a tour of the first eight stories and it's super impressive. You really feel like these people thought of everything. There are living quarters for families, supply rooms, stables to hold livestock, kitchens, chimneys, churches, schools, wine cellars. There was even a grave room where people could store their dead. <laughs> Oh, As if that's not creepy enough. Now they got to keep dead bodies there too? Shit. It's going to get creepier when I discuss that in a little bit more detail. Oh, lovely. 
This is just like the appetizer. <laughs> okay. Get that palate a little wet or whatever. Get your <laughs> mouth wet or whatever they call it. Your. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I think we should just go on with the story. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> now, each of the living quarters didn't have their own kitchens. Instead, they employed communal kitchens with tandoori, which is a traditional Anatolian floor furnace. This was a place for people to socialize, prepare food, and eat together. And you could still see some of the smoke stains on the chimney. If the people were being persecuted, what they would do was cook their meals in the night to remain unnoticed as smoke was invisible during the night. They even had some cellars to store their wheat and barley. How did these mole people, or Morlocks as I envisioned them, keep from suffocating? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. The smoke inhalation. Well, they had chimneys, but how did they keep from suffocating from being underground? And that is a great question, Isela. <laughs> they actually had ventilation shafts throughout the area with wells underneath them. My guess is that the wells were beneath the ventilation shafts to catch rainwater to replenish their wells. These were also communal, so people would gather around the ventilation shafts, drink some water, get some fresh air, talk to their friends and loved ones. There are more than 10 known ventilation holes and vents, so in case one of their enemies closes one of them, they have nine more they can go to for fresh air and water. This is, yeah, you know, like in the office when you gather around the water cooler, this is the same thing where you congregate, you have a drink, you talk about... Also, oh, who's persecuting you this time? Or whatever. <laughs> this is pretty fascinating. I'm sure it was a lot of, hey, Frank, my printer's not working. Can you come take a look at it when you're done doing whatever you're doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, did you try turning it off and on? <laughs> Damn it. I know I should have tried that. Yes. <laughs> In addition to the ventilation shafts, there were communication holes where you can speak into and be heard on every level. If they were being attacked, someone from the upper levels could notify the people from the lower levels so they could prepare or start closing access to some of the tunnels. Many of the tunnels have one-way doors to block off access to the other areas in the event that they were being attacked or they got into a disagreement with each other. Another question you're probably thinking, Isela, what was the temperature in Dirinkuyu? It was surprisingly nice. It averages about 68 degrees Fahrenheit or 20 degrees Celsius, so it's cool in the summer and warm in the winter. If global warming keeps getting worse, it might not be a bad idea for you and I to move to Dirinkuyu and do the podcast there. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it's going to be uh, loads of fun there. <laughs> it will be. Plus, there's the added advantage that I can close one of those one-way doors on you if you start getting hostile. Yeah, yeah, but I'll I'll just be loud and talk through their little intercom, the old old school intercom <laughs> tubes. Just kidding. So not until you put the spear down, Isela. Spear. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm just picturing myself. That's so funny. <laughs> From everything that you've heard, what do you think about Dirinkuyo so far? Are you pretty impressed or not really? Yeah, this is fascinating. I, I could see people seeking refuge underground. I mean, that's the whole idea behind like, a basement, this is normal, but a whole city. Like, it sounds like a functioning city underground. It is very impressive. And I will put a link in the show notes to the video that I saw where they did a tour. There's actually two videos, but that will give you an idea of what it was really like. I couldn't even imagine how long that would have taken. Yeah, that's super impressive. 
It is. That's so cool. And when you said in the uh, Empire State Building episode about me being impressed with architecture, right? this is the type of architecture that I'm impressed with. Yeah, things. I mean, this is the most thinking outside the box type of uh, living abode <laughs> that you could think of for sure. <laughs> Definitely. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we return, we'll talk about how Tirinkuyu might be the reason that we still have Christianity today. Are you easily offended? Because if you are, you should probably stop listening. Are you interested in the bizarre and unusual? Like serial killers? Do you scream as loud as you can? They're already scared. Maybe they stab you just once. You know what I mean? Then run Or maybe they fucking kill it's, you. It's and aliens? I'm thinking either. Yeah, guys. probably. <laughs> like, like, if you're going to take my sperm, at least make me happy. Don't forget about the paranormal. Why? Why do you look like that? Because I'm from hell, bitch! Why are you from hell? Come on strange drunken journeys with us, your host Tomcat, a.k.a. Tom Thompson, and Billy Kirby, as we drink and discuss the creepy and weird sides of life. Strange Brew Podcast, that's Strange Brew Podcast. Okay, Tom, relax. Strange Brew can be found anywhere you can find a podcast, though. From Apple Podcast and Spotify to Podbean and many more. So crack those beers or, or booze and light those doobies because, because it's, it's about, about to get strange. Reboots, reunions, reruns, no matter where you turn, everyone is going back to revisit Nostalgic TV. Join us on a journey back in the day as we look at your favorite Black 90s sitcoms like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, A Different World, Living Single, and Moesha. We break down a new sitcom and episode per week, discuss why the show was relevant at the time and still holds up today, discuss its impact and laugh at how different things were back in the day or how they stayed the same. Check out Back in the Day with Tanya and Cheryl now on your favorite podcast app and come on a 90s Black sitcom journey with us. Welcome back. Did you dig any underground cities during our break, Isela? Dude, you don't even know. I want to do that to my house. Like, that would be so cool. If you were to dig your own underground city, what is one thing that you wouldn't be able to live without? Well, I would assume if I'm only living underneath, I would need some kind of a, you know, a place for the restroom. Yeah, that would be definitely very important. Yeah, and I wouldn't want it to be stinky. Where's the ventilation? Like, I don't want to live in my own stink, which it smells like roses. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Well, maybe you can use one of those wells with the ventilation shaft. Use that as your own personal bidet or actually not bidet, personal abode. Do they call it? I don't know. Personal toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that's Yeah, that's the one thing I can think of anyway, that and showers. But I guess though that's what I was thinking more of like the ventilation type places. But it's not like, you, I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know. It's, it's pretty fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm not smart because I was thinking if I were to become a chud and go live underground, 
there would have to be internet access. That would be the toughest thing for me to live without. But yeah, I think maybe a toilet and running water would be a little bit more important. Yeah, I think that's uh, how we got out of like the bubonic plague and all kinds of other <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Just taking a note from history. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that you know this, Isela, but for our super friends that might not know what a chud is, it's a cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. I did not know that, but now I do. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing that ancient people couldn't live without was Christianity. Before our break, I teased that had it not been for Dirinkuyu, Christianity might not have survived. Some scholars believe that at one time early Christians lived there. And by early Christians, they mean as far back as the grandchildren of the first Christians seeking refuge from their persecution. I don't know if you knew this, but it wasn't always hip to be Christian. And for some time, the Romans slaughtered the early Christians. Yes. Had they not found this underground haven, Christianity possibly would not have survived or spread. Interesting. Now, Ruhi Senate never went into detail as to why some scholars believe that, but there is some evidence that suggests the presence of Christians in the underground city. There are crosses carved into some of the walls. Ah. Some of the tunnels are also very narrow. The theory being that Roman soldiers with shields and armor wouldn't be able to make it through, or they would have to line up behind each other one by one, making it easier for those being chased to defend themselves. It sounds like such a haven just because, I mean, this has been mentioned more than once where someone's being chased or persecuted and this is like their... You know, this is their hiding space. It sounds like they were living in fear. How awful. Yeah, definitely. And there is a little bit more evidence to suggest that Christians did live there. So not only did they have schools in Derinkuyu, they also had missionary schools complete with a pool to baptize people in, leading to further solidify the claims that Christians were living there. Yeah, that makes sense. The remarkable thing about the missionary school is that they had arches, which would have been a huge undertaking for people of that time period. There were also rows of seats for the students and a stage for the teacher or instructor. The seats were made of stone though, so they would probably be terrible on your back and especially terrible if you're going through a hemorrhoid flare-up. <laughs> the church on the seventh floor is also in the shape of a cross with the long arms and the short arms. Christians aren't the only people that are believed to have lived there. It's also believed that the Muslims used it for protection during the Arab-Byzantine Wars of 780 and 1180. In addition to doors that could only be opened and closed from one side, they also had fake rooms that led to nowhere. <clears throat> the theory is that if they were being chased and the persecutors got lost and went down the wrong path, they could come in behind them, close the door, and seal them up inside. There are even holes in the stone doors that could have been used to fire arrows or shank people with their spears. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, it sounds so well thought out. This was one of the things that really surprised me also about how well thought out this was. As we mentioned earlier, most of the ventilation holes had wells below them, but they had a special well on the seventh floor without a ventilation hole. The theory is that if the enemy discovered one or several of the ventilation holes, they could pour poison down them ruining the water. By having one well without a ventilation hole, the water in that well was always safe to drink. Whoa. Oh my <laughs> goodness. What a huge effort 
What was the planning process like? That's something I wish I knew, but unfortunately, we don't know too much. It's so old. I, this is definitely one of the oldest pieces of history that we've covered. I mean, I think that's the part that's fascinating. It's so old, and yet it's so well thought out. I guess to stay on the whole, how well thought out this was. The animals were always kept on the first floor, and this was for two reasons. One, it was very difficult to get them very much further underground. They had places for them to eat, troughs for them to drink, and there were even holes in the walls to tie them to. And being on the first floor also allowed their smells to escape easier. I think that they would probably keep me on the first floor for that reason as well. <laughs> <laughs> This is exactly some of the things that make me think of that. Horses, as beautiful and majestic as they are, they are very stinky. Like their excrements are very stinky. You know that smell from a good what, like a good like mile away. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So for them to be kept underground, it's so yeah. I definitely need to see this video. Yeah, and just um. I guess to, to further clarify, when I mean first floor, I mean like the first underground floor. Yeah, the first level, I guess, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, it's not a ground level; it's the first underground level. Going back to the grave rooms, the grave rooms appear to have troughs where they would put the bodies to decompose. It's believed they might have used chemicals to dissolve the bodies to keep the corpses from smelling. <gasps> There were even little rooms that appeared to hold the chemicals they would pour on the bodies to decompose them. Oh my! <laughs> They were so. These were like the original、uh, morticians too. <gasps> I think maybe the Egyptians might have had them beat on that, but yeah, they definitely did develop their own ways to. Because especially, you know, who knows how long they were down there? They had to get rid of those bodies because they would start stinking up after a while. Yeah, the Egyptians—they mummified them, right? So they were trying to preserve the bodies. If anything, these people were trying to. Speed up that process. It sounds like. Yeah, they were trying to get rid of those bodies as quickly as possible. <laughs> that's. <laughs> and again, this is all just speculative. It's just stuff that scientists and scholars have come up with just by looking at the different rooms. And it's like, why is there a trough in the grave room? Right.、And、why is this room with chemicals in there? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Now we're going to talk about your favorite part of the Rincuyo Isela. Oh my goodness, Machine Gun Kelly's in here. I'm just.、Kidding. Second favorite part of Dirinkuyu, since、um, Machine Gun Kelly is so synonymous with Dirinkuyu. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> the wine cellars had troughs that would house the grapes, and there were drains that allowed the grape juice to collect in another area. So that way, they would separate the grapes from the grape juice to ferment it. Wow! Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was like, God, they even had drains. Yeah. And the cellars also had notches built into the wall to hold the wine bottles. <gasps> It was one giant wine cellar then. Tirinquio. <laughs> that is pretty bomb, and that means they liked to party. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This is really blowing my mind. Now it's almost impossible to imagine how many thousands of workers had to be used just for digging alone. And the part that kind of seemed weird was that Ruhi Senet said. That this would have been done 1,800 years ago, but from what some of the other sources were suggesting, this was much older than 1,800 years ago. But nonetheless, even if it was older, you know there was no electricity or modern tools and machinery. Five million tons of rock and dirt 
are estimated to have been removed from the tunnels. And just to put it into perspective, even using today's machinery and technology, an ordinary subway takes four to five years to complete. Wow. Either there was a lot of people working on it, or this took forever. Jesus was working on this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he knows people are going to be persecuted, so... Right? He's like, water to wine, guys. Let's do it. Keep the party going. Go, go. <laughs> Just kidding. That's awesome. uh, the thing that's going to kind of blow your mind a little bit here is that Tirincuyu isn't the only underground city. It's believed that there are 150 to 200 underground cities in that region alone. In fact, another underground city called Caimicli connects to Tirincuyu through a 4.3 mile or 7 kilometer tunnel although it is now blocked after some sections of the tunnel collapsed. (gasps) Well, that's the big fear. How are they creating all these things and not thinking about, can this be be sustained for an extended period of time? Four miles? That's impressive. 4.3 miles. Okay. (laughs) 7.3. Wow. So for a while, Dirincuyo was thought to be the largest underground city. In 2013, archaeologists discovered a new Cappadocian underground city under a hilltop castle in Nevsehir. Mm. The site is believed to rival Tirincuyu and might even eclipse it. Early measurements suggest it is a third larger. So it looks like Tirincuyu has some competition depending on how much they're able to excavate and what they discover. Right. And that was only nine years ago. How? And it's under a castle. That's the part that's like, there's so many things that are blowing my mind, but it's under a castle. How did they start digging? I mean, it wasn't like a Scooby-Doo bookshelf that they opened, you know, (laughs) what the hell? How do you stumble across that? That's so interesting. It is. And I like that it's underneath a castle. I know. That's pimp, if you ask me. It is. It's very like Dracula wanted to keep all his... I don't know, his little city that he was going to feed off of (laughs) or something. (laughs) Now, in case you want to make the pilgrimage to Dirincuyo, it is open to the public, but only about 10% of the city is accessible. Is that because they fear for people's safety, like it's going to collapse? I think they're still digging a lot of it out. And before they allow commoners to go in there, the scientists want to go in there to make more discoveries because they don't want people to, you know, contaminate the site or anything. I would totally go see that. That's freaking really cool. Now, could you imagine living underground like that? As long as somebody can explain what the toilet situation is like, I really (laughs) think I'd be down. Like, I would totally be down. Yeah. After I had put the the script for this podcast together, that was my biggest question. So how do they handle human waste? Imagine you eat some carnitas or some barbacoa (laughs) that doesn't really agree with you, and you're expelling an alarming quantity of excrement every time that you remember. Sadly, none of the sources or videos I watched suggested they had toilets or plumbing or anything like that. Maybe that's just the only time they come up. Maybe the above is really for the shit. Yeah, but imagine you're on the seventh floor or eighth floor or 17th floor and you got the carnitas. It's like, oh shit, like it's already doing the scared turtle. Right. right. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, one, I don't think you have Taco Bell down there. So I'm just kidding. No, that's so mean. <laughs> you better cut that out. I don't think you're going to have stuff that's, you know, 
chilies or, you know, some kind of hot peppers going through your butthole. So that's like kind of cool. But I, yeah, I, I don't even understand how they do that. Especially if let's just say they were on the 22nd floor down there. That's insane. Well, and it goes down to 17 floors, but it would be the equivalent of a 22 story building. It's just 17 stories. And that's because of how big the gap is between stories because this is all built into rocks. So I think I would totally be cool not seeing the light of day. It would be very Vegas, like casinos. What day is it? What time is it? You know, is it nighttime, daytime? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not terrible. But after a while, I think I would. I would want to see a little bit of sunshine. You know, it's that song. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. <laughs> yeah, like in this case, sunshine is really sunshine. I would start to get a little bummed after a while. I think I could probably do it. Just as long as the toilet situation was taken care of. But I go days sometimes without even stepping a foot outside. So I think I would be okay being a, a Mordock. <sighs> yeah, I, I, but I still open a window and I still look outside and the sunshine is still very much part of my day. I have blackout curtains on all my windows and doors. Only in my bedrooms. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. And it's funny that right away you thought about the um, human waste issue. Yeah. This is the first thing that is a, it's a necessity. Yeah. We need to be commended for thinking about that. These are the type of hard-hitting questions <laughs> that only podcasts as sophisticated as technically a conversation would dare to tackle. Right. I'm sure we're uh, we're treading on some <laughs> some groundbreaking <laughs> stuff here. <laughs> on that high note, we hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. <laughs> Follow us on the socials at greetingstac. Email us at greetingstac at gmail.com or... Leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. If you have a story to share with us, Ooh. 